Are you about to start a podcast or producing a podcast and tired of doing the editing yourself? We have produced over 1,000 daily shows and the production team that I've created, they're now available to produce shows for you as well. We can do as little or as much as you need from finding and communicating with guests, preparing introductions, to editing the audio and video. You will sound better, have a more professional presence, and be able to spend your time doing other valuable tasks on your business. Let me know you're interested by emailing me directly at Whitney at LifeBridgeCapital.com. The follow-up, that is by far what will put you ahead of everyone else because most people give up after the second, well, most people don't even make the call. And then after that, they just give up too soon. And then after that is they just don't follow up enough. Welcome back to the Real Estate Syndication Show while I continue the conversation with Sterling. And he is sharing and being so transparent about so many things that I'm learning so much from. I know you are as well. I hope you have liked and subscribed to the show, whether you're listening on YouTube or on your phone, one way or another, we would appreciate a comment and a five-star review as well. Please stick around. Sterling shares some many, just many great tidbits that are going to help you to improve personally and professionally to getting to the next deal also. All right, Sterling, man, you started with a single family home. You found that mentor we were talking about. And now 500 units. Wow. You definitely worked hard to make that happen. No doubt about it. What happened after the single family home? Give us a few key things that maybe would help the listener to think through as well. You know, they've got that first single family home. We're going to talk about how you started finding deals and maybe even what you've learned, you know, up to this point about how you found deals. But give us a few of the details between the single family home to 500 units. I'd say the value of partnerships. And when it comes to partnerships, working with people who complement your weaknesses. So that's one thing that really helped with me is that I ended up becoming self-aware of the things that I weren't good at and then the things I were good at, so my strengths, and then ended up finding the right people to build around me and vice versa with their skill sets is their weaknesses were actually my strengths. So that was one thing. Uh, And then also is the patience is that whole time from when I ended up buying that 150 single families and ended up scaling to 500. It was a blur because it was literally day in and day out, just putting in the, the work. There's that aspect and the patient side of it. It's just going out there and just committing first and figuring the, the rest out later. Uh, and then thirdly is having a, a plan in mind, but also knowing that you're going to have to take pivots and took multiple pivots. So when originally started was, okay, well, we're going to do crowdfunding. Okay. Now we've done crowdfunding. Funding. Okay, now we were doing some some flipping and then ended up selling on the buy and hold model. And then from there, buying uh, single families, okay, was in Indianapolis. Okay, how did we expand? Okay, we went to different markets. And then, okay, well, we've got all these single families. They're very difficult to manage and scale. Okay, let's shift to, to multifamily. So multiple different pivots. And so be willing to, to pivot. Second is uh, patience and putting in the, the work and making sacrifices. And then third is just surrounding yourself with the right people. Man, it's incredible. We could just all do those things as fast as possible. So, but you mentioned in there, kind of in passing, you got up to 150 single family homes. Is that right? Yes. Man, that doesn't happen without a ton of headaches. Ton of work, right? Yes. A lot of transactions. And if we're lucky, would get a package of two, maybe a package of three here and there. Majority of the time, it was just a lot of one-offs. So you got to look at a lot of deals in order to just get that one. Okay. So 150, I mean, you came from that one that your mentor helped you with. 
how long was it until you did the the next deal after that first one? I would say a couple months. Bought the deal right across the street from it. So it was the first one was seventeen twenty North Leland. I believe it was seventeen forty one North Leland. I forget the second house, but it was literally just right across the street. One hundred and fifty. I'm impressed you could remember that. <laughs> so did your mentor help with the second one and the and the next one, or were you all partnered on some of those? How did you move forward? So it was just the first two, and then right after that, that's when I ended up meeting uh, Jacob, and we had formed our company right after that whole portfolio. That's when we ended up. That is the company that ended up scaling the 150 single families and then scaling to multifamily. Incredible. Wow. So you found, uh, or your mentor helped some, but then you found a business partner, uh, Jacob. Maybe speak to that. I, I know that wasn't our topic right now, but I, but I wanted you to speak to, man, how did you know he was the right partner uh, You know, to move forward and scale this? So it was just something that I saw in him on stage. I don't know exactly what it was. And this is why it's key for, I would say, for you to put yourself out there, attend all these different events, because you just never know who you would, who you'd make. And this was a, a partnership that lasted a long, long duration of time and really helped in my uh, growth as a, a human being and also business, uh, a businessman. So he was on stage. He had his operator that he was uh, working with and he would consider a mentor in a way as well. And I remember Jacob going up there telling his story. And I said, for some reason in my head, I got to work with this guy. And my aggressive nature is during a break, he went to the bathroom and I followed him into the bathroom and said, hey, uh, let's exchange contact information and enjoy working with you. Well, he said, oh, OK, here's my contact information. You actually uh, this is the office I work out at. I later found out that he was not serious about it because everyone does. I mean, quite a bit of people. People do that and they just never follow up. But I was in the office the next day and then the next day and then the next day and then the next day. And then that's when we uh, so I, I was still working with Will, my mentor at that time, and he was still working. He had his operation that was going on. And then we actually started working to, together doing deals. And then that's when we started planting the seed. Hey, let's go out and venture and start to do our own thing. And then that's when we formed our own company. Incredible. Uh, do you think you would have come as far without that partnership? I don't have the answer to that, Whitney, but I would say it would have been difficult. There was definitely that the way we complemented each other. And then also he had more experience than I had had too, as well in knowledge. So I would say it would have been extremely difficult for me to scale uh, to where I am now, but it's likely I would have figured out another way, but it still would have been difficult. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, you would have found a way, but appreciate the transparency. I say, you know what, I, we wouldn't have gone near as fast without my business partner and, and vice versa. I think we just had complementary skill sets. We both brought things to the table that the other did not have, right? Uh, I mean, it, so it allowed us to move quickly. I mean, once we said, hey, let's go do this together. Uh, but, you know, now you have, you all have grown so much. Uh, and, uh, you know, you all are much better at finding deals now and doing deals, all that stuff. You've learned so much. So let's talk about some of those best practices that you've learned about finding these amazing projects that you've purchased. And let's focus on multifamily. I, I know another topic soon, we're going to talk about the single family versus multifamily because I'm going to enjoy hearing just your perspective because you've bought more single family homes than most people I know ever has. But now you're doing multifamily. So I'm looking forward to your uh, just thoughts behind that. But right now, you know, let's talk about finding those deals, the diamonds in the rough that you've purchased that are multifamily. Uh, maybe probably some of the practices you've learned in single family probably still apply potentially, but let's dive into that. Uh, give us some best practices and let's flesh those out. Yeah, so the approach that I've taken is just actually going direct to owner. So haven't bought on the, the multifamily side, haven't bought anything on market. So the very first deal when shifting from single family to multifamily was a 46 unit. And how that ended up coming about was taking the driving for dollars approach. So it was driving neighborhoods in Indianapolis that, oh, 
okay, these are, I wouldn't call them distressed areas, but these were solid C, C plus neighborhoods that still had some upside. So it wasn't, the price points were very high and would likely be priced out. So ended up driving those neighborhoods. At that time, this was 26, 27, 2001, a Honda Accord. Love those cars, great on gas and drove past this specific property and saw that the the parking lot looked like an alligator's back. It was just very bland. And so from that is ended up picking up the phone because all this information is all public record, not so much their contact information, but uh, is it was owned an LLC. You can find out who filed that LLC and then you can use databases such as truepeoplesearch.com or beenverified.com to now, hopefully their name isn't common as John Smith, then that wouldn't be as fun to, to do some digging. But then you get their contact information and you just pick up the, the phone in that case. And I just asked him, his name was Chris. Hey, Chris, just want to personally reach out to you own some single families nearby and wanted to see if you consider selling. So it was very transparent, straight to it, no NLP, no trickery. And it just turns out that this was the very last property that they were selling because he was getting out of the business. And one thing I want to premise you guys is there were tons of deals that were actually, I wouldn't say failed, but got no to. So this wasn't just, okay, I just hopped in my car that very first day and drove past his property and called this first owner. And that was the case. There was still some attempts that was before that for him. Okay. So you called Chris, the owner and said, I'm buying some real estate. Wondered if you might sell. What was the conversation like? How did it move forward? That's exactly how it was. I remember he first said, all right, well, this conversation will not continue if you're not willing to put down $50,000 earnestly. From that, this came from my sales skills that I ended up picking up was, hey, Chris, it's not going to be an issue from that. And then that's when I went into just some additional fact finding. Had no clue I was going to come up with the $50,000. I had some ideas, but wasn't very concrete, but just wanted to, to build that certainty in him and didn't skip a beat and said, hey, that'll be no issues. And then just jumped into, hey, now why are you considering on sale? So digging a little bit further to determine what his motivation was. What was his motivation? He wanted to get out of the apartment investing or operating a business to focus more on being a debt collector to actually go after those tenants that were behind on actually rent. So he enjoyed that more. And and this was his last apartment that he had. He had sold about two to three right before that. How did you end up? What were the terms on that deal? Or did you do any seller financing or did you buy it outright? How did you come up with the 50? It was a uh, seller financing. It was 63%, 65% occupied. So it would have been very difficult getting conventional financing near impossible on that. So ended up negotiating with them and said, hey, we'll do seller financing uh, on this. So ended up agreed on the purchase price of $900,000. Yes, $900,000 for people that are out there. This is in Indianapolis. So you can get properties very affordable. I know there's some places such as California, you couldn't even get a house for that. So purchase price, $900,000 thousand dollars and then raised two hundred thousand dollars as a down payment so that's what was needed as a, a down payment for terms on the seller financing and then additional 485 was raised uh, to take care of improvements on the property wow how'd you raise that much money at that time so it came from relationships from investors from the single family side and then also at that same time was marketing myself as a on the personal brand to bring on investors on the multifamily so I originally started started in my branding in content marketing, single family. And then I made it the shift to multifamily. That's when I started changing the messaging to bring those type of investors that were interested in that type of asset class. Okay. Well, we might bring that deal up again uh, later on, but because I want to 
I want to stay focused. I want to go back to finding the deals uh, and let's hammer on that for a few more minutes. You know, now that you've purchased many multifamily projects, what are some best practices now that you're still using? That may be one of them, uh, but to shed some light on what are some of those things you're doing now to find deals uh, like today? Yeah. So today it's been very difficult. So when it comes to acquisitions, that has dried up significantly formally than what it was. And the ROI has been, when it comes to going off market direct, it's quite a bit of an undertaking from the amount of rejection that you have to face, the amount of calls that you have to make. And now what I've seen just from the seller's expectations that return on time just hasn't uh, been there. So I've slowed down on that and actually been shifting to actually more so selling. And so I would say the common thread through all of those owners is that there had to have been some type of motivation. And whether that's one, they're just, they want out of the business. Uh, secondly, is that they they may have just inherited the property. All points in time, they just want out of the business. That's usually the core issue. And then just the follow-up. That is by far what will put you ahead of everyone else. Because most people give up after the second, to, well, most people don't even make the call. And then after that, they just give give up too soon. And then after that is they just don't follow up enough because I've had some cases to where, and this was an example of an apartment that was in Cincinnati that didn't acquire, but ended up, it was a husband and wife. They said that they would never sell the, the property. And then that was one of those I just put on the, the back burner for a while and then ended up following up with them a couple months. And fortunately they were facing a divorce and they, someone ended up swooping in and getting it under contract. So that just goes to show you is you still even have to follow up uh, between that, but that will really separate you from everyone else. And secondly, is just having the mental toughness because it's tough hearing a lot of no's. And also I would do personal visits. Well, the personal visits to owners wouldn't go bad, but I had one case to where an owner said, just write to me, said, hey, I told you on the phone to not even come out here if you were going to put that uh, offer in on the, the property. So just imagine you really have to have the, the mental toughness and grit in order to keep pushing through that. Yeah, that's so helpful. So you're prepared for that before you go in, right? If you already know you're going to get hit in the face, it's easier to go. <laughs> Maybe it's easier. I don't know. Embrace yourself. Maybe you know to duck, right? When you go in the door. The follow-up you mentioned so important. I, I could not agree more. Uh, it's so important. How long do you follow up? Man, you know, you found these deals that look like, you know, they'll work or whatever it is. You know, the parking lot looks like that. They're all grown up. Well, you know, it's like, okay, you know, this seller, obviously there's something going on here, right? You put them on your list, you start following up. How often, how long, what are you sending them? So it does vary upon a case because you've got some owners that say, yes, I want to sell, but just not right now, but just in the, the next couple months, I've got to figure some things out. And then you got some owners that say, yes, I would like to sell, but just not anytime soon, or just remind me uh, after a year, because I've got to get through these other things. I'm so there's different no's and that also you change your, your tweaking on the, the cadence. But I would say, especially from the initial beginning is every two weeks, especially if you've already started to build that relationship and they say that, okay, now it's just not the right time, but I will end up selling is yeah, I would say two weeks and you got, and this is the other part that I learned is you have to be creative in your follow-up. If you keep beating them over the head and with the same messaging, now you're just in selling your property. Now you're interested in selling your property. Now you're interested in selling your property. Yes, it sounds even annoying when I say it, but that's the same thing that people do. But if you take different angles, such as I follow up in different ways and say, hey, uh, John, I'm actually in this one I would use. It was Bill in uh, Louisville. I would say, hey, I'm in Indianapolis. I'm actually going to be, and this would be Monday. I'm actually going to be in Louisville this 
this upcoming Thursday. Just want to swing by and give you a cup of coffee and just uh, catch up on uh, how I can be able to help you on. I know you were looking for contractors and just taking different angles on that. They know that you still want to buy the property. And another person, uh, Patrick, who actually owned the apartment just right across the street, uh, he needed some help with his parking lot. Uh, He was looking for someone to do seal coating and restriping. So ended up helping them with that as well. So these are all the things and it's different. This is where I would say the difference is from the single family to multifamily is it's difficult to do that on the single family because you're targeting huge lists a lot of time versus on multifamily is I'm targeting apartments. Well, at that time it was over 50 units. It's the lists aren't big. So you're able to actually take more, invest more time from that. Love that. Uh, and thinking through that single family list versus multifamily list and being able to focus on. But you said there too, being creative with your follow-up. Appreciate the example. because uh, it, So it's not always just sending them that yellow card, right? Or the envelope that's, you know, like not sealed. You know, we've, we've heard many of those things, right? It's not just doing that and saying, are you ready? It's, man, getting creative saying, hey, I'm going to be in the area. Having their number already in your phone, right? Or in your notepad, readily available. So if you are going, you can reach out. Uh, any other creative ways that, that you thought of to connect? What I was going to mention on that, Whitney is that let's say it's Monday and I would say I'm going to be in town on Thursday as an example. I would have no intention on being there. And once they accept, then that's when I make a trip. And then that's when I start following up with the other owners too, and letting them know that I'm going to uh, be there. So this is the same thing as committing first and figuring the rest out later. And then other ways to follow up is uh, through direct mail. One is sending a Rubik's Cube. Uh, many people have heard of me uh, saying this, a Rubik's Cube with a small note. Hey, let's figure this out. And that's if we're close on terms or price and still there's that little gap that's in between there. So I'll send something such as that. Or you can send, let's say, Tylenol uh, and say, hey, let me take this headache off your hands. So it's one of those things is just doing a pattern interrupt. Or a friend of mine, this was in a different uh, field, he would send his clients potatoes. Yes, I said potatoes. It was just a pattern interrupt. And he would, some of the, the clients he had heard from in a long time would then call him and say, Steve, did you just send me a potato? He's like, yeah, I sent you potato. But now that I've got you on the phone, and then he would go into his pit. Wow, something completely random to throw him off a little bit, right? That's incredible. What a neat idea. The key thing is just staying top of mind through this is that when they are ready to sell is that you're one of the the first people that come to mind because I know there there has been some people on this that are listening to where someone else has gotten a deal. You're like, ah, I remember being, but that's because the other person just, it came down to timing and they were the one that came to mind in that case. Awesome. Sterling, grateful that you're willing to share all these things about how you have found deals, even by sending potatoes potentially to the sellers so you can stand out. Uh, All right. So tomorrow I want to jump into the single family versus multifamily with Sterling and 150 single family homes now buying numerous larger multifamily deals. Looking forward to getting his take on that. How can the listeners get in touch with you and learn more about you? Yeah. So you can visit sterlingwhiteofficial.com. One more time, that is sterlingwhiteofficial.com. Then also on YouTube, you can find Sterling White, type that in the search bar and we'll come right up. 
tons of content that I'm actually putting out on a, a weekly basis, sharing more of these stories and also more insights on just the journey from single family to multifamily and how the journey continues. Thank you for being a loyal listener of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Please subscribe and like the show. Share it with your friends so we can help them as well. Don't forget, go to lifebridgecapital.com where you can sign up and start investing in real estate today. Have a blessed day.